Newcastle won, Brentford nil, a much-needed three points for Newcastle United. Truth be told, wasn't the most exciting game in the world. Uh, not the one for the for the football lovers out there, but the boys did the job and got the points that we desperately needed. Uh, join us as we talk about this game and stick around because we're going to do a little preview on AC Milan in the Champions League in a few days' time. Can't believe it. Um, stick around for that. It is the Tune Under podcast. Yes, Newcastle won, Brentford nil. Uh, I'm joined here by Dimmy and Craig. How are you going, boys? Dimmy first. Actually, no, let's come to you, Craig, because we did the preview. And mm-hmm. uh, we, we kind of thought this game was going to be quite open and um, end-to-end a little bit. We didn't expect to see Brentford sit back. Um, just your general feeling on how that game went, um, just quickly, and how you feel now that the dust has settled. I imagine you're pretty happy. Um, overall performance was a bit flat, a little bit bland compared to what we're used to on uh, previous games, but the result was obviously the most important thing. Um, happy to get the three points and happy to uh, get that monkey off her shoulder and get that important win, you know? Uh, it wasn't quite a do or die kind of game that we sort of talked about in the preview, was it, Dimmy? But um, nonetheless, it was three points that we... I still think desperately wanted to get the season back on track. How did you see the game go, Dims? And um, how are you feeling right now? Yeah, relieved, I think, after the, the three points. Obviously, after three defeats, it's unusual for us to be losing games and losing games consecutively. We've been pretty spoiled the last 12 months or 18 months, really, under Eddie. So I think the the result was the most important thing, like Craig said. I don't think it was our best performance. It probably was reminiscent of Eddie's first season when he came in and it was a bit of a grind it out, score one goal and sort of get a keep a clean sheet and keep it tight. It wasn't it wasn't a swashbuckling game, but I think you need sometimes those games to sort of grind out a result and that hopefully is the turn that we need to get our season back on track. Yeah, we've said a few times that we're not the kind of team, or at least I've said it anyway, that we're not the kind of team that breaks down these low sitting defensive block type teams we we kind of struggle to find that bit of magic to unlock um those kind of teams um so you know as much as it's nice to get the three points it's actually quite nice to see us for once um manage to get past this team and get the three points by hook or crook as i said at the top there wasn't exactly the most attractive game in the world and you know as you two just said it, it wasn't pretty but the most important thing was getting the result um, let's just quickly dive into the teams. And if you like what we do, please give us a like and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, the teams that we have for Newcastle was uh, Nick Pope, Trippier, Byrne and Botman at the back. Uh, Shaw, Bruno, Sean Longy, Barnes, Anderson, Gordon and Wilson Craig. Didn't quite predict that lineup, did we? Uh, there's quite a few changes in there. Um, I suppose from the back, the first notable um, change was the return of Botman. It was kept very quiet, wasn't it? I don't did, did you hear anything about that at all until an hour before the game? Because it's I don't I don't think I saw that. Yeah, it was just a little bit of a hush media talk before uh, the kickoff. But uh, now nah, I think everyone anticipated him to miss this game. To be honest, there was talk of missing two or three games, and he only missed the one. So more than happy to have him back. Uh, he was absolutely a, a brick wall in this game, as he has been for many games before. You know. No, absolutely. Um... 
we're a different proposition at the back then. Of course, obviously, Byrne then gets moved to left, uh, which, as I said in the preview, I think that's that's basically his position now. I don't think he's yeah on on past on recent evidence. I don't think centre back is his uh, is his go anymore. Um, a couple of people who did miss out, Dimmy, uh, we we missed out on Tenali, and that was always going to be one of those fifty fifties because we weren't quite sure how serious that um, injury was that he allegedly had. And then also Big Joel, uh, what did he make of those two uh, inclusions? Yeah, it was disappointing, obviously, to lose those two. I think with the Champions League game coming along, especially with Milan away, I think Tonali, obviously, he wants to play every game, but I think he's definitely circled the the return to the San Siro as he, he needs to start and needs to play. So I don't think he was too upset about not playing. But, yeah, Joe Linton was a bit of a surprise. And considering he went away to Brazil and, and played, I think, off the bench twice for Brazil, we didn't think there was going to be an issue with him, so that was a that was a blow. But it was good to see Anderson for me get a, get a start. I think he had a great preseason, and I think he's a sort of player that he needs consistency in his in in games. And if he gets a run of games, then I think that's where he'll flourish. If he's just playing a bit part role, he's obviously still a young kid and doesn't really have the experience to be that super sub. I don't think yet. Mm. Well, our Mark will be happy that. Uh... Anderson start. I think he's been pretty keen to see Ando um, get some minutes under his belt. Uh, I said inclusions before. Of course, I meant exclusions. Sean Longstaff. Um, how do you think he went in this game? He um, there's been lots of talk of him of the team missing him when he's not around, uh, and, th- and then the team sort of does all right, and then he then you start to think, well, maybe he's not that important, and then he comes in, and then has a game like this where he wasn't really kind of hitting the highlights, Craig. But um, I think you said yourself in the chat, you had a pretty solid game, didn't you? Yeah, he was neat and tidy. He done all the, the simple things correct. Whereas again, this time last year, when he was getting a little bit slated, uh, it was the simple things he was getting wrong. But he certainly corrected that in his game. Uh, those short passes, those easy passes, looking over his shoulder to see where the opposition is. He's doing all of that significantly better than what he used to, and he is now a valuable member of that starting eleven. And him and Tonali could be battling it out for the first team squad. First team player, sorry, um, for the entire season, which is only healthy uh, competition is good for the team, you know. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's why you need that depth in in, in your squad, don't you? To um, to get uh, the guys sort of fighting each other almost in a way, pushing each other along. Um, yeah, that Joe Linton thing was weird because he was on the airplane, wasn't he, with Miggy and uh, Bruno, I... and he's all smiles and he's doing like his thumbs up and stuff, and you're thinking, all oh, right, that's you know nothing to worry about here. And then I think I heard that on the day of the game, he flew out to. Was it Germany somewhere to get Barca. his? Was yeah, it Barcelona to, to to get his to get his knees in? Yeah. So Eddie Howe says that he's going to be off for a few weeks, which is kind of one of those nebulous terms that could mean two weeks, could mean three weeks, could mean six weeks, could mean seven weeks. So uh, Sean might get a bit of a run in the game here uh, in, in the squad. Sorry, um, and you know he's he's a accomplished player. He's pretty good. Um, I I think we play better with Joe and with. Tonali in the team over Longstaff and Anderson. I think right now that's probably the, the number one team. I think pretty much everyone would agree with that. Um, but nice to see both those guys getting a run out. Um, I've got a note here, Craig. Better with Botman in brackets, obviously. Did you want to just touch a little bit on... <laughs> Does that basically say it all in about four words there in two brackets? Or did you want to add anything else to that one? I don't really need to sugarcoat that, do I? I mean, the, the bloke is an absolute mountain of a man. And we are significantly better as a back four with him there. We all know he's not got the the pace or anything out of some other defenders. 
but his timing, his positioning on and off the ball is second to none. And we had a little discussion earlier on in today who is the best uh, defender that you know of in Newcastle United's history. And for me, it is Botman already. He's better than what Woodgate was. He certainly played more games than Botman. Fitness is uh, better than Woodgate. And Colo, yes, he was fantastic. He made that Premier League player of the season. But again, when you consider his age, uh, a lot of people said he's not cut out for the Premier League because he doesn't have that pace or anything. But the way he reads the game, there's nobody better in our defence by far. And it is such a breath of fresh air because he's still only 23 years old. Give him another three, four years before he hits his peak. And he could potentially be one of the best defenders in the world. He really could. It's easy to forget how young he is, isn't he? Uh, he's mm -hmm. one of those kind of players that um, makes everyone around him a little bit better because they all have that confidence that he's going to do nine times out of ten the right thing. I mean, he's being caught out once or twice, but, you know, who isn't getting caught out these days? Uh, moving on a little bit, let's have a look at um, Brentford. So, Flecken in goal. Uh, there was Hickey, Henry, Collins, Pinnock, Me, Jensen, Norgard, Janelt, and Mwemo, and Wissa. I haven't checked, but that might be close to what we predicted in the uh, the preview there, Craig. But, uh, Dimmy, did you, aside from their top scorer, Mwemo, anything of concern that you saw in there? Any opportunities for us to profit? Not uh, worried in terms of who they named in the lineup. I was slightly concerned that they were having... Oh, they were playing five at the back, and I thought it was going to be one of those games like we've seen before where teams come to St. James's Palace did it last year, Bournemouth, park the bus, long ball, slow game, muck it up. And I thought we, we would struggle with that sort of game. I was hoping Brentford would, because generally speaking, Brentford don't really play defensive, and they do they do have a go, and they do like to, to press high and score goals. So the fact that he named five at the back, and it looked like a, a team with three big centre-backs, I thought he was going to try and hold it, which obviously they they did try and hold it. And that, for me, was a concern because we do still don't play with a number 10 and we don't have somebody to play just in behind the striker who can hit one of those through balls in behind a defender or in behind a fullback. So that was, for me, the the main concern, seeing that lineup. Yeah. Um, that whistle, I was thinking during this game, I was thinking, geez, he reminds me a little bit of Papa Sisi, but... I think maybe it's just the way he looks and the way he kind of finds the space, but he didn't have the didn't have the finish of CC by any stretch of the imagination. Like he, had, he must have had a few chances there where he just ballooned. Um, I will also say that that flecking a goal would give me the shits. Like I, I mean, I complain <laughs> about I complain about keepers anyway, and I particularly complain about complain about ones that don't catch the ball. But and there was times there like where that ball was gonna literally go over his head and go out for a kick for like a goal kick, and there'd be no yeah. danger whatsoever. And the one that I've got in, in mind in particular. He, God knows why, but he just like Superman punches it straight back to like Anthony Gordon, I think it was, who then whips it to the far post. And luckily for them, there was nobody there. But Jesus God, he was a he was a shaky keeper in my bloody hell. Uh, look, let's 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 kind of skim over the first half because it was dull. Jesus, that was a that was that was not a great first half. Um, I think I saw stats that said that Brentford had more chances at goal. Or, I don't know if they're on target or just in general, but they had more of, of the of the chances than Newcastle did. Um, they were profiting a bit down the wings. Um, but Nick Pope, I don't think he had a great deal to do. Uh, Flecking at the other side didn't have an awful lot to do either. Um, there was there was that chance from Bruno, 
I mean, yeah. basically, this is, this is the first off review. We might as well go straight to the bit with, with Bruno, where he finds a bit of space at the back post. And, um, well, Craig, do you reckon he just got that completely wrong? I mean, it's unfair to say he got it wrong because he got it on target and he made Flecken save, I think, with his foot or his leg or his knee or something. Um, but I always remember people saying, coaches and what have you, that if you're going to have a header at the, at the goal, you generally want to aim it into the ground. So it bounces up, gives the keeper something extra to think about. Um, do you think, was it just that it came to him quick through a body of men that he just kind of had to do the best he could in the circumstances? Do you reckon he could have done any better there, maybe? It, the, the ball did come in very quickly. Um, and it, I think he had to adjust his body as well for the type of header he wanted to do, uh, more of a diving header. And we know heading isn't his strongest point. He's only ever scored two uh, headed goals in his career and both for, for us. Um really? Yeah, um, so it's definitely not a strong point of his game. I do think he could have potentially put it back across goal where Wilson was ready for a tap-in. Um, mm. I think that would have been a smarter option. Uh, the angle was tight as well, but I think the keeper made himself big, done the right thing, and got some part of his body on there to stop it from going in. Any complaints from you, uh, Dimi, on, on that? Or was it just simply because you know he did the best he could? Yeah, it was a tough one. I think the ball skidded onto him pretty quickly. So he probably didn't have time to sort of turn his head and, and, and get it across goal. He probably just wanted to get it on target and force the keeper to a save, which fair play, he made the save. But yeah, it was it was a nice flick and he was wide open at the back post. So, well, look, we probably didn't deserve a goal in the first half, let's be fair. So I don't think we can say that we should have been 1-0 up at half time. It was, uh, like you said, a dire first half. And that was the only really the only attacking moment we really had. And um, yeah, it, the keeper did well, but um, but yeah, it wasn't to be. It was god awful first half. I've got one more point on this first half, Craig. It's from you again. Bullet point. Ref, soft as shite. What's then? You <laughs> <laughs> were just blown for everything, every daft little flick, every daft little knock or anything. Else. Refs these days, they don't want to seem to let the game flow. Um, you know, it, it is a contact spot, albeit the contact is slowly being taken out of the game every single season. It just seems to be getting worse and worse. You're not allowed to tackle these days, you're not allowed to go to the floor or anything like that. And you was brandishing yellow cards, which some, yes, were necessary of yellow cards, but others were just pointless. And he just tried to gain control, but he almost lost that because he bottled it within the first 10 minutes by giving away some stupid decisions, which he didn't need to do. Um, I think that, that keeper, he's got a bit of a shite record for most clubs, to be honest. But I just think that the level of refereeing in this country now is so bad to the point where it's laughable. You know, we've got apparently the most competitive league in the world, but we've probably got some of the worst officials in Europe, if not world football. It is almost beyond a joke, the quality of refereeing now. And we've all seen some dodgy decisions this season, and that was just a c consistent raft of bad decisions. Um, I didn't rate his performance at all in that entire game. Safe to say, you're not a fan of Craig Paulson. Then, um, <laughs> to be honest, he did make some boobs, and, uh, and we're going to get onto this in just a second because most then came in the second half. I think at one point, though, he booked like three or four Brentford players and didn't give anybody in, on the Newcastle side a card at all. Um, and then he sort of as they sometimes do, they kind of leveled it off a little bit in the second half. Let's just move on to the second half, then try and forget that first half forever. Um, Demi, we came on much better in the second half, didn't we? You must have been pretty happy with the way we um, the way we attacked Brentford and 
looked like they had a rocket up the rosters at halftime for Medi. Did you see any um, tactical tweaks or changes, or was it just simply like, you know, sort yourselves out, lads, let's let's have another crack? Yeah, I think we just showed a, a lot more intensity at the start of the second half. I don't think we came out in the game like we normally do at St. James's Park. We sort of came out a bit apprehensive and sort of, I wouldn't say nervous, but shy to, to sort of attack and take the game, even though we're at home. And especially the fact they played five at the back and, and sat quite deep when they didn't have the ball. It sort of lended us to just do the old share to Botman, Botman to share, share to burn, just pass around the back for 30 seconds with going nowhere. So I think the start of the second half, we sort of stepped up a little bit and, and, and tried to push them on the back foot. And I think we did that. We definitely got in behind them a few times and got some crosses in. And we just started to get the crowd going, which was, which was necessary because the crowd obviously were... I wouldn't say um, nervous. really frustrating, and they, they were getting nervous as well. And the yeah. longer the game went, the longer the game at, at nil nil, it would have been even more nervous for the crowd. And I think Brentford would have fed on that. So I think we had to start the second half well, and we did sort of lift our intensity just generally around the, around the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. The crowds have been quite nervous all season, albeit it's only a few games in. But we've mentioned this a few times now already that it's. It's very. It can be very quiet at times when you kind of think you're going to get a lot of noise. It's sort of a little bit quieter than you'd expect, and then it needs the players to try and pick up the, the crowd to get them going again. And then it settles down really quick. A very unfamiliar home crowd this season. Um, we're just getting started, so you know might get better as we go along. But um, they were pretty good at times during the second half. Um, let's talk about the first real incident: the disallowed goal. I believe that came first before the penalty. Um, yeah. This low goal should have counted is Craig's bullet point here, um, which I'm basically stealing all Craig's bullet points. Now, I, at the time, we're watching this at 2.33 o'clock, whatever it is at the morning. Um, I laughed on the chat because I thought that was a hilariously bad goal. Um, but part of me thought it was a little bit suspicious just how bad that, that goal transpired. I didn't see it in real time personally, but when I saw the replays, I thought all of them looked fine until the last one where I could see... Wilson's arm essentially hooked over the, the keepers and preventing the keeper from raising his hand to to um to try and get to the ball. I think, and I'm probably in the minority of one here, uh, Craig, you can go first on this, but I think that was probably the correct call in the end. Um, did Pawson did Pawson whistle for a goal at that point, or did he did he blow up straight away and ask for a review? How did that go? And then what did what did you make of that goal anyway, Craig? I think the goal should have stood, uh, as I first initially thought. Keepers, as we know, they are far too overprotected these days. They're more protected than the white rhino, for fuck's sake. You know, it's uh, it's just one of those annoying things where the slightest little bit of contact on the keeper <laughs> and they, they're getting a foul blown against them, uh, for them, sorry. It, it, it's daft and zip. The, the keepers, most of the time, they're the ones making the initial contact too. To make it look like they're the ones being fouled, and you got to look back at last season at um, Spurs away when uh, what's his face ran into uh, Wilson and he hit the floor like a sack of shit because he knew he was going to try. Yeah, when he was going to try and draw the foul, how was that given as a goal and not a foul on the keeper? But this is somehow, and the the contact is minimal. He does jump, he does go to punch the ball, and he's totally fluffed it, and Wilson just toe pokes it between his legs. I think it is. And again, I thought it was a shit decision by the ref. That goal should have stood, and that should have been the catalyst for us to go on and win the game comfortably, in my opinion. 
Well, Craig's on the fence. I'm going to move. To, I'm going to come across to classically on the fence, Dimmy here with his fifty-fifty uh, opinions on absolutely everything. Now, any difference in opinion there, Dimmy? Did you think the bundle from Wilson into the keeper as the ball was coming across had any bearing on the keeper's inability to to get the ball? How did you see it? Yeah, it was very, it was very soft. I mean, the the keeper was flapping all day, and like like you said before, Lee, he was punching when he didn't need a punch, and he was. He was looking very suspect all day, and I think he was begging for the whistle. But the weird thing about that disallowed goal was it didn't sound like Corston stopped the game initially. It's sort of like the goal went through, Wilson went to celebrate, and it was only like 15 seconds later, Corston's sort of standing there thinking, oh, shit, do I call this a goal? Do I not? Because there was no VAR review. It was more like he just took a while to make his decision. So he was doing that all day, to be fair, and Craig's right, he was a – shocking ref he was sort of waiting for the players to complain and then after they complained five seconds later he'd give a decision so i think that's what happened here because initially he definitely didn't blow straight away he only blew after the keeper had a crack at him and probably the brentford players as well so look i think the goal should have stood and i think if he's called a goal live and he hasn't been swayed by the brentford players i don't think var would have overturned it because it was a very very minimal contact so he he can count himself very lucky that it, that or very fortunate in my opinion that he he gave the decision as a disallowed goal because if he didn't I, I doubt the VAR would have told him to go and have a look at it it would have been probably a clean goal and they would have said look that's a keeper mistake just like Laurie last year you you've tried to buy contact there's no con- there's not enough contact there it's it's a goal. One thing as well I'll just point out of that if you look back at the replay the ref actually looks at his wrist to see if the ball oh, yep, is right. line through goal line technology. Yeah. And then about 10, yeah. 15 seconds later, I've just said to me, then he blows for the foul. Why would he look at his wrist to see if the ball's crossed the line if he thinks there's been a foul in the build-up anyway? So to me, Correct. his mind is, I've all, I'm going to award this as a goal, and then he's changed his mind. Yeah. Well, Correct. look, um, the goal didn't stand, as we all know, but um, it's interesting you say that about the, the time he's taken to decide what to do, because... Not long after we get the actual penalty, uh, Wilson takes this one. But the 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 incident happens. Paulson is on the other side of the box, pretty much. He's got players all around him, and he just kind of casually strolls across to where the other side of the box, where like you know, Gordon's on his ass, and the keeper's kind of waving his arms around, saying, "Hey, I did nothing." And then he blows his whistle. It's almost like he's walked that long. I can understand he wants to give himself a bit of time, but it's weird that he's walked from there. To the other side, like what's what's he looking for? Like a a bit of evidence on the ground that it's like he's watching the game on delay in in real time. It's like he's like six or seven seconds behind the actual incident, and by the time his puny little brain computes what's happened, then he makes a decision. (laughs) Oh god, we're gonna get complaints. Um, But he does though. He walks across and he's and he takes a good few seconds to make his mind up as to what to do. And I'm and I'm I'm kind of thinking, is he waiting for VAR to get in his ear and say, "Hold on a minute before you do anything"? But VL surely has to wait until the the ref makes a decision before. Yeah. Like either he plays on because he thinks nothing's happened and VL go, oh, wait a minute, you've missed something here. Or he blows his whistle for something and they go, wait a minute, you've made a mistake here as well. Um, as it is, he blows his whistle. They are apparently are happy with it. They take a little while to make their minds up. I've got to be honest, um, and I, <laughs> I'm going to be in a minority of one again. I can pretty much guarantee this, but Craig, I'll come to you first. Um, my opinion is that Gordon totally blew, uh, totally bought that. He knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, what I want to do, first of all, however, 
is give him compliments because he's the one who's chasing down that ball. So the ball is rolling back to the keeper and um, kind of reminiscent of last season when we chased down every half ball, any kind of, you know, second possible chance of getting back on the, uh, you know, the pressure that we've complained about not being there this season. That was a little indicator that it might still be coming back to the team or at least it's going to be there with Gordon because he just runs after that ball. And, you know, you don't really think anything's going to come of it. But as Gordon is running towards it, if everyone's being quite honest here, let's be honest, lads, we're an honest podcast. He's running towards the ball. He sees the keepers coming out. He's got a man on him who's trying to shove him off the off his feet um, to his right-hand side. But he actually twists his body and puts his sort of the side of his body into the keeper and then goes over. I'm going to be in the minority one, but I reckon that was unbelievably soft uh, to give that as a penalty as well. Um, it was also very close to the line. It was even, it was always almost a chance it maybe wasn't even in, but I think it probably was. Craig, um, tell me I'm wrong. How did you see it? Uh, for the majority of that, I actually kind of agree with you. Um, he does Ooh. buy it to a certain degree. And the bit with the, uh, I'll need to double check this, but I'm quite with you, agree with you as well, that I think the ball was either out of play or just about to go out of play as a contact was made. So if the ball is deemed dead effectively, then surely the penalty doesn't stand because mm. I don't know if you, you, you can't give a, a free kick if the ball's not in play, I believe. Not 100% mm. sure on the rule of that one. Um, but if it was, the ball must have literally been that far away from uh, crossing the line altogether. But yeah, absolutely right. He, he did buy it. It was probably the right decision in the long run, purely on the basis of the fact that the keeper made a stupid rash decision when he didn't need to. If he doesn't stick his leg out, I think Gordon loses that ball anyway and it goes out for a goal kick. But surely the keeper is essentially trying to guard the ball so it can go out and, and Gordon doesn't get to it. I think that's what he's trying to do. He's just trying to you know protect it a little bit. But surely if he just puts himself in the way and then Gordon turns and runs into him and falls over, that's the player inducing the contact and trying to con the ref into getting a penalty. Surely that's that that's that's soft, that's soft as, isn't it? It is, but I also think the fact that the way the, the keeper's got his leg, he's got his leg arched over and that is what's drew the contact. It's not his body, it's his leg that he's went over in his leg. I don't know how you even kill not in a, a natural position. It's in a point where, again, it's arch and he can easily go over it. And that's probably why they've given it. I don't know what the exact reason was, but it was a, a soft penalty either way. And But yeah, it was all because of Gordon chasing it down, as you mentioned. Well, Dimmy, uh, welcome back. <laughs> that was pretty seamless. Um, turned off. I don't know what the fuck went on. Um Craig is kind of agreeing, but also thinks it probably was in the end a valid penalty. What was your take on that? Yeah, Gordon definitely bought it, like you said. I mean, it it wasn't it wasn't one where his the, the keepers completely wiped him out like the like what's his name? Edison did for the Man City, the Man City game a couple of years ago. It wasn't it wasn't like that, but I mean, the the keeper was stupid for for making the challenge. That that's the first thing, and the defender who passed it back to him is just as culpable. So, yeah. just for the sheer stupidity for the defender to pass it back from that close, Gordon was smart enough to look for the contact. And I think the fact that we didn't get the goal allowed a couple of minutes before that, I think, helped us in that decision because I thought yeah. Craig Paulson, Craig Paulson probably thought, look, I've disallowed one goal. Do I do I disallow this penalty? Maybe not. I, I think that definitely played a part, and he didn't want to be uh, villain 
villain number one in, in Newcastle. And he probably thought, got to give this now. Well, he already was the villain at that point. But um, <laughs> the it's interesting to say that. But obviously, of course, VAR can still tell him he's made an obvious mistake. But in the end, they decided that it wasn't a clear yeah. and obvious mistake. So they looked at that and thought, well, there was contact. Why That's why. I can see why he's done it. There is a bit of contact, even though I, I still think Gordon initiated that contact. I think the keeper was just simply trying to block the lines, block the lane, as it were, and let the ball go out. And Gordon's seen his opportunity. He's twisted as he's went across. He's fell over and uh, he's won us a penalty. Now, let's just talk about that penalty because bloody hell, that was a hell of a penalty, Craig. Top bins. Uh, mm -hmm. it, you know, there was, there was a fair bit of delay before it um, was taken by, by Callum Wilson. He's he's deadly from the spot. He, I've got a stat here somewhere where he's, he's, he's scored something like uh, 12 out of 13, and he's he's either top of the charts or he's about fourth in the charts of players who've had that many penalties and banged them all in. I mean, Shearer, I said on the chat, Shearer himself would have been happy with that penalty. It was fantastic, wasn't it? Well, two keepers on the trampoline on saving that thing. Uh, it was just <laughs> arrow straight into where that top right-hand corner, it was perfect. Yeah, there's a little stat for you regarding uh, penalties. Which Newcastle striker has a 100% penalty strike rate? That's a question. That's not a stat. Uh, no, well, answer it. Callum Wilson. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sean Amiobi. Correct. Sean Amiobi is our most successful penalty taker in the club's history. Clutch. Oh, Clutch. yeah, but like, how many has he taken? Like two or something? No, no, he's, uh, I think he scored 11 of 11, something like it. A couple of derby yeah. ones, too. Must have all been against someone. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, now, cracking penalty, and like I say, Shiro would be absolutely proud of that thing. It was an absolute rocket into that top corner. Superb. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he's only one goal behind now. Uh, Sir Les in the charts for goal scorers. Uh, Demi, he said in his post-match that he'd practised that kick three times the day before, and he, he kicked it into the exact same spot three times. And so when he's standing there, he's got you know the whole world waiting on his shoulders for this goal. He's thinking, just do what you've done. You've done it three times just yesterday. I'm sure you can do it again. Um, you know, completely composed. He's he's a cool character in front of goal, isn't he? And he just sort of just sort of trots off like going, ah, knee bother. Ah, that was I that was out that like little like kind of like you know, tip of the hat to the fans and like knee bother, knee bother, nothing bothers me at all. Um did a little bit of sex where you come out. That was a fantastic goal, wasn't it? Great point. <laughs> it was um he was definitely a lot cooler than I think all of us watching and, and the 50,000 Geordies watching the game. I think we all knew how big a moment that was considering we've lost three in a row and we didn't look, to be fair, we had the ball in the net five minutes earlier, but we didn't really look like scoring and we needed probably a bit of luck to, to find the net. And yeah, I mean, he absolutely nailed the penalty and it wasn't as if he, he smashed the shit out of it with his laces. He he hit it so well with the side of his foot that he got the placement and he got the power. It was it was a quality penalty, and I think, um, yeah, he's definitely one of our one of the best penalty takers that I think we've we've seen at Newcastle behind, obviously Shearer and and now Shola, obviously Shola. as well. <laughs> yeah. I still think he's the best uh, striker at the club, by the way. I mean, Isaac is obviously the fabulous keeper, but uh, player, but he's also got a few other things in his back pocket. Uh, you know, he can play on the wing. He's he's very tricky with the ball and what have you. But I think Wilson is just an out and out striker. He's just absolutely sensational. Uh, he said yeah. as well in his post-match that he's actually trying to go. He's going to try and get into the hundred goals club. I assume he means for Newcastle, or he might mean in total. I don't know. Um, so he's actually going to be aiming for 18, 19 goals this season. Uh, so you know, fingers crossed that comes off because that'll be bloody good for us. All right. So Newcastle one nil up 
And we kept on attacking. And there's an instance that came up not long afterwards where, again, I suppose you have to criticise Pawson. So I'm going to cut to you, Craig. <laughs> uh, the, the, I'm trying to remember exactly how this happens, but the ball, I think the ball is trying to be lofted over the top of, I think, Mbwema, was it? Um, and yeah. It, and it looks like his arm is kind of up at sort of right angle and it, it hits his fingers, quite clearly it hits his fingers. Ball kind of continues off and they start running away and then the referee blows his whistle because there's a VR review going on. I think that's what happened. Something like that. Anyway, um, I didn't actually even see it touch the hand to start with. It was kind of in a blink of a blink of an eye. But um, when you saw the replays, you thought, oh, yeah, that, that's legit. It looks a bit like it's a, his hands up here. Um, he's only got one hand up here. It's not like he's both up here and like he jumps with one arm in the air. It's kind of weird. Um, did Can we give Pawson some credit here and say that he got the right decision on this one? Or... Um, and they no, are wrong. wrong, or do you think it was not a penalty in the first place? Um, it should have been a penalty. The the correct decision to award it was the right thing. And VAR then tell him to go to the monitor. He then changes his mind. Now, the original decision should have stood, in my opinion, purely in the fact that, and I know rule, rules change from season to season, which I get that, but last season at the same game, Brentford at St. James's Park, they were given a penalty for exactly the same thing. Uh, long ball comes in. It's headed towards goal. It hits Dan Byrne, who's got his back to the ball. He can't see where the ball's coming from, but it hits mm-hmm. him on the hand. And they're given a penalty, and Tony then goes and scores it. That was last yeah. season. This yeah. ball is actually close out of the goal, and it hits his hand in pretty much exactly the same type of scenario, yet ours gets choked off. I don't see how there's a, a clear night and day difference between the two, unless there's been a, a major rule change. Uh, from last season to this one, which I'm not aware of. Be I don't get how you. that can be ruled out. I mean, it's a death sentence, isn't it? As soon as they go to the to the monitor, you're like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. It, it, <laughs> I think it's only ever happened once since they brought in VR, where the, where the refs went, nah, I'm all right with what I've done in the first place. And every other time, it's like, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll get, I'll, I'll re-ref the game because of what um, the voice in my ear is saying. Dimmy, um, I think the decision came down to the fact that it hits, let's see, Mbwemo, because I can't remember who it was, off, hits yeah. his head or skims his Correct. head before yeah. it hits his hand. Now, even if that's true, what I'm interested in knowing is, and you seem to be the guy who's across all these rules, what difference does it make if it hit his head first before hitting his hand? It still hits his hand. So what's the what's the yeah. rationale there? So that that's the interpretation. If it comes off that that they have said that they're going to, to do, and that's not just Premier League, I think that's FIFA round. So if the ball comes off your chest and then it goes onto the hand or if it comes off like it did here, his head and then hits his hand, because it hasn't gone direct ball to hand from the attacking player or from the cross, it's deemed unintentional, therefore not a handball. So the the weird thing about this one, though, was his hand was not in the natural position. So even though it came off his head, before it hit his arm, his arm was was up, and like you said, his only one arm was up. It wasn't it wasn't both arms. So, and Craig Pawson, to be fair, uh, he was about two meters away from that incident, so he was right there, mm. and he blew the penalty pretty quickly. So, again, the VAR, especially this season, is supposed to be for the absolute howler. Um, I'm not sure that was a howler. It may have been on a technicality the the right interpretation because it didn't hit the Newcastle's player head to, to then the hand. But yeah, it's it's a bit rich, I think, if if it took four or five 
different looks after he's gone to the monitor to have a look. I, I, I wouldn't have been shocked if he didn't give it live, but once he's given it, I thought that that should have stood once he's given it. It's a strange one, isn't it? I mean, does that mean that you can kind of just stick it on wherever you want and then nut the ball off your hand and then try and get an advantage that way? Oh, yeah. And just clean Essentially, because what, what, what was happening in previous seasons, the ball, let's say someone goes for a block and it's they've blocked it with their thigh and it's bounced up and hit their arm. Yeah. And they've called penalty. Whereas they said, look, if it's hit your foot first or whatever it is, um, before it's hit your hand, then that can be deemed unintentional in the box. So look, it's very gray. And again, it comes down to the referee's interpretation. I think Paulson's having a bit each way. He got the first one we think wrong. He got the second one debatable. The third one, he didn't know which way to go. He initially gave a penalty that he didn't go. So he he had no idea what was going on. So look, I think if we ended up not getting the three points, it would have been talked about a lot more, but um, yeah. thank goodness oh. it didn't cost us. Yeah. Agreed. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, well, look, the, um, the game, sort of peters out a little bit um, in the end. Um, oh, I just want to say, by the way, when Wilson takes that penalty, just as he runs up to kick it, there's a massive hush just comes across here in James's Park. Like, everyone's mm. just like, <gasps> you know, just kind of holding the balls and hoping to go because it, God knows if he had missed out, what would have happened. But anyway, the game peters oh. out. It's, it's sort of a non-event in the end. There's a there's a big cheer, of course, obviously. And Newcastle, um, trot out. 1-0, what have you got to say, Greg? Big shout to uh, Big Dan Byrne for that tackle at the uh, end of the game as well, to be honest. Oh, uh, yes, thank ball. you. Thank you for mentioning yep. that. Yes. Um, what do you want to say about that? Because it's funny when he does a tackle, the, the, the commentators always go, oh, Big Dan Byrne with his long legs. Like, what difference does it make how long his legs are? If he does a tackle <laughs> with his legs, it's a tackle with his legs. I mean, you know, they don't go, oh, there's some other guy with his normal sized legs. They just go, <laughs> great tackle. You know, it's, it's crackers in it. But, um, yeah, what, what about that tackle? Did you like so much craggy? It was a bit of a match saver, a little bit. Well, was it was it a match saver? It was it was in a dangerous position. Potentially, yeah. But um it was the fact that how late it was in the game, and I think Dan Byrne, he obviously was at fault for that second goal against Liverpool because he was out of position. So maybe something like that was in the back of his mind, do I make this rash decision? Uh potentially get sent off, do whatever, you know. But he kept his calm, kept his composure. And it was a fantastic tackle, and it pretty much solidified the three points. So, big shout out to him for that one. Fair enough. I do like him better at left back now. I take back everything I said about being cover and centre back. <laughs> let's not let's not go doing that, that doing that experiment again. Uh, so, just some quick stats: 55, 50, sorry, six percent possession to Newcastle, forty-four to Brentford. Um, which feels like a bit of a surprise. Look, uh, nine shots to eleven to them, where two on target for each, and we had eight corners to three. So, obviously, we were doing a lot of pressing at some point or other. Um, we have finished 11th in the league this week. Um, six points from the opening five games, which uh, matches the exact tally that we had at the same stage last season. Um, and we have the same goal difference of plus one. So for all the doom and gloom, you know, we are basically doing pretty much the same as we did last season. And we all know how good last season was. Now, obviously, some other teams have improved. There's other players at, at other clubs. Um, Spurs aren't laughable. Now. At least not yet. I can see uh, Dimmy's got his big hand shirt on there. Big Ange, Papa Lobba Dobbledus. Um, that's the one. Doing the, That's his brother. Doing a great job at Spurs <laughs> by all accounts. Um, Craig, I'm not going to get you on your soapbox about that because I know you've got some pretty strong opinions. Uh, let's have a look at... Uh, let's just uh, quickly run this off. Man of the match. Uh, all you can do three two ones. It's up to you. Dimmy first. Yeah, I'm not sure there was a three two one. to be fair. It wasn't that sort of game. But I think, um, I think for his second half, I think Bruno gets a man of the match. I thought he controlled the midfield in... 
he just started looking a bit more like the old Bruno and being wanting to receive the ball and a bit more confident on the ball. I think he was important in that midfield because they were definitely outnumbering us early and Ben Mee was stepping into the midfield and sort of outnumbering what we had in the middle. I think Bruno's role, especially second half as we got on top, was very important. So uh, give it to give it to Bruno. Three points to Bruno. Uh, Craigie, what you got? Callum Wilson for that penalty. Fair enough. I'm going to give three to Gordon because I thought that was a fantastic game from Gordon. Uh, in many respects, he's got a hell of an engine on him. He's, he's going to be some player for us this season if he stays fit. Although, having said that, he's one yellow card away from, from the suspension. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> Already only five games in for God's five sake. Five games in. He's going to beat Joe Linton's record. He's, he's, Joe Linton, I think, had the record last season. He was on five. 13, I think, wasn't it? Something like that? Yeah. I'm not even sure Teote got a, a red card or a suspension this quick. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give two to Wilson because I, that because he never stopped running. Like, you know, he, he, he does give you that bit of running. He, he was chasing, chasing down the keeper at times. He was basically doing ping pong between the two fullbacks as the keeper was trying to, you know, make space and move him around. And he, he's he got that energy about him. He, he belies his age. You know, he's um, he's going to have a great season with any luck. And one point I will give to Bruno because I can't think of anybody else. So <laughs> that will do for our review of Newcastle United against Brentford. Let's just quickly touch on um, just a small game. Greg, do you mean just a... Just a Minor, you know, mid mid season, it's not even mid season, start season, midweek game. That's what I was thinking of. Midweek game, just against AC Milan, just in the San Siro, just in Italy, just in the bloody Champions League. Uh, how excited are you, Craig? Uh, I, I genuinely think about this today, and I think, you know what, it's here, it's dawned upon us that it is literally within the next 24 hours or so. And I was getting giddy thinking I was, I was talking oh. to some lads at work the day and they've got no interest in football at all to the point oh. where they even call it soccer to the point where I nearly want to headbutt them. And <laughs> genuinely, I'm talking to them. They don't have a clue what I'm on about. We're playing AC Milan in the Champions League, first game in 20 years. And they're like, what's this kid talking about? He's absolutely smacked off his tits. He's hyper. And it just dawned on me that it's happening. It's right now. We're going to Milan. We're going back to the San Siro. It's a fairy tale story. And I genuinely am so excited for this game coming up. Win, lose or draw, I'm just glad to be part of it again. It sounds a lot like when we were talking AFL in the in the uh, the group chat there, Craggy. And um, you know, <laughs> at the minute we're all talking about the finals, and you know, my team Lions have got a prelim against Carlton coming up at home, okay. and uh, we're all banging on about it. And you're like, Whoo! you're doing that kind <laughs> of Grandpa Simpson's Oop! as he turns back out of the <laughs> out of the the. Prostitute house, I forget what they call it. Uh, Dimmy, it's pretty exciting, isn't it? I, I guess I shouldn't bother asking this, but um, I, I should have asked you as well, Craig. Are you going to be up watching it live? It's a school night. I, <laughs> uh, I've actually taken the day off for the for um, the the morning of that game. I'm not going into work that day. I've got a day's holiday put in. So again, win, lose or draw, I'm going to be excited after I've had a few hours kept afterwards. If I get back, get that is. Aye. It's uh, it's pretty exciting, and as I understand it, there's four thousand official tickets for away fans at the San Siro, and they'll be sitting upstairs rather than downstairs, so at least they won't get pissed on like they did last time. Um, <laughs> but I suspect there'll be an awful lot. I know, I know a few of my mates who are going across don't have a ticket. They've got no intention. Of, well, they did have an intention, but they don't expect to get it at all, um, and they're still going to go across. And I think there's a few pubs that might be putting it on. It's going to be absolutely wild. I'm not sure I'll be able to watch it live. I've got a kid and I'm always constantly tired. Look state me, I'm only 18. Um, yeah. But hopefully uh, we'll do the business. Now, 
Um, Jimmy, you're our resident European expert. Um, Milan, AC Milan just got absolutely smashed by the Mackham score 5-1 to their arch rivals, um, Inter. Mm. That's their first defeat in four games so far this season. They tend to lose against Inter. I was looking this up. They tend to lose against Inter. So they've lost 69 times and they've conceded 256 goals in, in those 69 games, which is something like nearly four goals a game. It's absolutely ridiculous. They obviously don't do very well against their neighbours uh, in Milan there, albeit that has 60% possession in this game. But I'm just pointing this out because I don't want us to get a little bit too excited that AC Milan are suddenly shite and we're going to just go over there and roll them in this game. Um, it's a huge game. They've got a lot of great players. I'll touch on that team in a minute. But just give us a general feel for how you see this game going. Um, what, are, what, what are we likely to see from Eddie Howe's team? Obviously, with this game we've just talked about against Brentford, he only made one sub, and that was Miggy. Yeah. And it was coming on yeah. quite late in the game. He's clearly kept some players, such as Tonali, back to try and rest them. Isaac didn't get on, so he's. I think he's had one eye on this game. So that kind of suggests he's not going to go there and just try and make up the numbers. I know he says we don't do that anyway, but you wouldn't blame him necessarily for trying to go there and getting a draw because it's going to be such an emotional game uh, for the fans, in particular. What do you What do you expect to see from Newcastle, um, and what can we expect to see from AC Milan um, in how they normally play in the Champions League? Bear in mind they did pretty well last season. Yeah, well, they had a fantastic Champions League run last year and a very unexpected Champions League run because they, they were having a difficult time in, in the league at, at times last year and sort of the the, the Champions League run against... They got to the semi-final, lost to Inter, obviously got destroyed and Inter has been killing them the last 12 months. I think they've won five in a row in the last 12 months, that is, because they've played in the Super Cup in Italy. They've played two Champions League games in the semi. They've played league games, so they've been... Their pants pulled down by by their rivals. I don't think we'd be able to take five losses to Sunderland in twelve months. I don't think that would go down too well. And well, I heard um, there was there was um, yeah. Obvious buys of the hashtag five in a row though. If it's come from the, you know they did the hashtag six in a row that we never heard yeah. the end of for about a year and then they disappeared. Yeah. Mm. yeah, but this was this is this is five in twelve months. Yeah, this I mean, is this just, is five in a year. And I think um, some of the some of the AC Milan ultras have been demanding some apologies in the. And the managers come out and say, no, I don't apologise. We played bad, we played bad, but I don't apologise. So there's a little bit of tension there. And I think there's obviously going to be a response when they play us on on, uh, on Tuesday Tuesday night their time, Wednesday morning our time. It's going to be it's going to be huge. I think Eddie definitely has had one eye on this game before the Brentford game. And Isaac and Tonali for me are going to be key players because out of, out of our whole squad, I mean, we've got a good squad. We've got a proven Premier League squad, but we don't really have proven, I don't yeah. think, European pedigree players. And for me, obviously, Tonali was in that AC Milan team that, that got battered by Inter last year in the semi. And he's obviously a, one of AC Milan's, even though he's a young guy, like a, an icon at AC Milan. And he's he's primed to, to play European football. I think Isaac has, has pedigree to play European football. He's had stacks of international experience and, I think he'd be another one who's primed, and I think that's why those two, especially, were, were, were left on the bench and weren't weren't brought on. I think they're definitely going to be starting on on Wednesday on Wednesday morning, and mm. I think we're going to need them because Milan do they they're probably going to make a couple of changes after that five one result, but their midfield has had some trouble this season, and I think if we can if we can be on our game in the middle, we could really get 
get some joy at the back. So um, hopefully, hopefully for us, it's uh, it's a high intensity game, and that probably will suit us. There's also, of course, Kieran Trippier. He's got a bit of Champions League experience. So um, yeah, in terms of the guys who didn't play, I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. So of course, yeah. But in general, we've got at least three guys there who. So Isaac hasn't played Champions League, has he not? Real Sociedad played uh, European football though. Ah, uh, yeah, right. So there is a little. I thought there was something there. Yeah. So, um, Craig. Yeah. Um, what do you, what do you, what do you want? To, let's let's say this. What what do you want to see from Newcastle in this game? What what uh, what? How how should we approach this one? I just want to see us go toe to toe with some of Europe's best, and AC Milan definitely are. I mean, you don't qualify for the Champions League without falling into that category. You know, um, <laughs> if we can go toe to toe with them. And Dimmy's there. Dimmy's, Dimmy's not agreeing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, nah, uh, if we can go toe to toe with them, we can just like we did against Inter all those years ago. If we can ground out uh, a draw, get a win, then that will be absolutely phenomenal. We do have the players who can win us the game in a heartbeat. We know what Isak is capable of, as uh, Dimmy's just said. Uh, Bruno on form, he can be one of the best midfielders in Europe. Um, I did have a little, a little look at some of the passing style of. AC and it is typical Italian, uh, short sharp passes, uh, one touch type thing. Uh, I think the average around about 380 passes per game, and 90% of those are short passes. So we shouldn't feel the long ball over the top to try and uh, outpace Botman and uh, Shaw. So that could be a good thing. Um, and it just means we've got to be on our ball and maybe go man for man for them. The the position start I just mentioned there against Inter 60%. Demi, does that suggest that they, and, and bear in mind they got humped five one. Does that mean we can hit them on the break, or they, or they the kind of team that we can get down the sides and and uh, down the channels, you know, and hit them on the on the counter? Should we be sitting back a little bit and trying to, like sometimes you might do with Brighton or another team that likes the ball, just let them have the ball and sort of make it hard for them to do something with it, and then try and pounce. Yeah, I, I don't think we should sit back, but I, I definitely feel that in transition is where we're going to hurt them. I think. We've got bags of pace that can really trouble them. I think Marcus Turan for Inter had an absolute field day for on the weekend, and I, I think we've got the the players to get in behind them and and really cause damage. I mean, they've got a fantastic fullback Hernandez, who's who's fantastic going forward, but defensively he's very suspect. So I, mm. I think if we let them have the ball, I mean, Loftus Cheek is for me. He's not going to pull down any trees. I, I'd back our midfield against Loftus Cheek and. I know Craig said Milan one of the one of the best in Europe. Obviously, pedigree, yeah, they've been a superb European club, but this current form of AC Milan are, are definitely not one, in my opinion, to fear. And they may have some some good names. They do have some very good names on the team sheet, but they're not the team that they were 15, 20 years ago with your Shevchenkos and your Inzaghi's and your Kakas and your Gattuso's. They're not that same team. So I, I think if we sort of not, not invite them on us, but pick it, pick our moments and, and try to really break in transition with, with Miggy, Isaac, Gordon, I think we're going to find a lot of joy. Well, let's just um, quickly touch on the team that we have been provided. Who, who gave us these, Demi? Yeah. So Taylor, them? Taylor from uh, Milan club, Melbourne. So shout out to Taylor. He's sent that through and he, yeah, we had him on the pod earlier in the year when, when Tenali was, was about to be yeah. signed. He was devastated as, as all the Milan fans were. So uh, yeah, he's, he sent that through the, today for us. Yeah, so many thanks to to him once again. Uh, so we've so he's gone with. Uh, oh God, I'm gonna have to try and pronounce these names. Maynan, 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 Mike. He's called Mike Maynan. Something about that name doesn't doesn't quite it's work. Magnan, yeah. 
Davi, uh, sorry, he's went with Tio, Tio, oh, God, Theo, he's got Theo, <laughs> Tio, Tamori, Theo Hernandez, Calab- Calabria, Columbus, Cal- yeah, and then Rendez, uh, Runic, Runic, Lofts, just cheek, I can get that one right at least, Leo, Giroud, and <laughs> Chewbacca, Chumbawamba, uh, Chewbacca, Chuck, 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 <laughs> that sounds like an Australian word for something. I would have called them a chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> um, now, Craig, there's obviously some familiar names in there too, in particular Loftus Cheek and Giroud. What was your little thing that you said about Giroud before we came on? Because he's, I've always thought he's a brilliant player. Yeah, he, he's a quality striker. I mean, he's, I think he's got 37 at the end of this month, so he's uh, probably past his prime. But in terms of stats, uh, he's never been more prolific against any other club. Um, except ours. So, in uh, 14 appearances made against us, uh, 10 goals and one assist, uh, which is pretty decent turnaround. Um, yes, he has played for a very good Arsenal, and I think he played for Chelsea for a short time as well, against yeah. some really poor Newcastle squads. So, you know, most people have probably got a good record against us back that day. But, um, yeah, he's a quality striker, and he's got four and four already this season as well. So, he's not shown any signs of slowing down, albeit his uh, age is probably catching up to him you know it's a funny one because i remember when before he went to arsenal he was being linked with us and i was thinking bloody great because i i think this from what i've read on him he looks looks sensational you know and he went to arsenal he did he did all right but then he, he was the kind of player that always seemed to get dropped a lot he didn't he didn't start a lot of games but then you come on the sub and yeah. banging the goals and you're like why isn't this guy start what the hell's going he's on a, like, you know he's a goal scorer but he is not a modern day striker he's sort of an old school striker it doesn't do much else but Put the ball in the back of the net, which is which is fine. But it, it's some of these teams he doesn't get involved in link up. He's not fantastic technically, and that's why obviously he's scored a lot of goals for France as well. Let's not forget, and he's had a great record for them. But he's not as technical as a lot of modern day strikers are, and that's probably been a bit of the downer on him. And people think see him as probably old school target man striker, penalty box, eighteen yard box guy, but doesn't do much else. So that's probably been the knock on him and why he's been in and out of a lot of teams. Hmm. Well, it's it's interesting as well that we've got uh, Christian Pulisic in the yeah. squad as well. So he may come on uh, as a He sub, started on the week. Yeah, he started he did, on the yeah. weekend. But but uh, he's had a, apparently he's had a tough start to the season with international duty. So he he's due arrest according to the Milan sources. Right. Well, we might see him. Um, let's just wrap this up then because I think that's probably about, that's probably about as much as we can say about um, what to expect from Milan and Newcastle um, let's just have a stab at some very quick predictions score wise Craig 2-2 two, two. Desmond nice uh, do you want to chance your hand at the scorers uh, I want to say Big Dog and Wilson Big Dog and Wilson yeah alright yeah uh, Wilson would have only played like two or three days beforehand, so I don't know if you're going to say I think, uh, I think Isak will start. Uh, Wilson will come on with maybe 15, 20 minutes to go as the game starts to stretch. Fair enough. Demi, do you want to chance your hand at the score here? One all draw. I think we'll score first. They'll, they'll come back and not that we'll be hanging on, but they'll be pushing late and we'll, uh, we'll be happy that the full-time whistle comes and we get a, get a one all draw. Yeah, all right. Well, I suspect we'll lose because I'm positive yeah. as ever. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we we've, haven't played a European team in a competitive game for such a long time. I mean, we did have a pretty good preseason against those uh, European teams, but I think um, this will be a learning experience 
you know, there's six games in this uh, in this group, so maybe by the end we might have a little bit more nouse about us. Uh, but I suspect we'll probably lose this one, but I'm going to stick with the, the draw theme and I'm going to go for a nil-nil. Why not? Um, if we take back a point, I'll be very happy with that. Aye. All right, well, that will do for our review of Brentford and our preview of Milan Champions League football in just a few days' time. Pinch yourselves, everybody. We are finally back in the big time. Uh, thanks to Craig. Thanks to Demi. Please give us a like and subscribe, and we will see you for the next one. Cheers, boys. Cheers, lads. Cheers, mate.